the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and open up to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at several different passages of, of Scripture this morning. Uh, two weeks ago, we uh, spent our time on Sunday morning talking about the hope of Christmas, that the only hope of mankind is the Savior of this world, that Jesus Christ, who is God, became flesh and dwelt among us. And that is our only hope. Last Sunday, we spent time talking about the joy of Christmas, the joy of the angels as they announced the birth, the joy of the wise men, but the greatest joy was the joy that was set before Jesus that he used as a motivation, as a way to endure the cross and despise the shame. And we read that chapter, Hebrews chapter 12, and it tells us that the joy that was set before him is the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Now, we're not there yet. We are looking forward to that day when we will be assembled in heaven with our Savior. And I will tell you, that will be a time of great joy. In fact, when Jesus comes to take his church, we call that the rapture, which simply means, look it up in the dictionary, a time of great joy. When we will be with our Savior. This morning, I would like for us to look at the faith of Christmas. Most of us are familiar with the events and the stories that are intertwined and and many of the facts are here and and uh, we spend some time every year for the last well this will be the twenty sixth year uh, that that we have gone through these stories and and be and reminded ourselves of them, but I hope and pray that we will find a new and real application of these stories because these weren't real stories. These weren't stories just to be stories. These were real lives that were lived. And every issue that you face in this life, could I challenge you, can be solved with faith. Would you agree with me on that statement? If you do, say amen. Faith solves problems. Faith does not take away problems, as we're going to find. Faith doesn't even make them easier to endure. But faith will take you through them on the other side. And we start here in Luke chapter 1, in verse 27... Uh, Let's get verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So we're just going to set up the story here. We have the sixth month and... uh, and someone says, well, what is that time, time reference? Uh, the sixth month is June. Well, the Jewish people have a little different calendar than we do. Uh, they have 12 uh, months of 30 days. Every month has the same amount of days. And every 50 years, you add a leap month 
to, to their calendar. And that was set up under the Old Testament law. But the Jewish people actually had two calendars. They had the ceremonial calendar, which was connected to the, um, uh, the feast. And the new year would come basically in our October. And then they had the physical calendar, which began in April or uh, late March, early April with the Passover. And so uh, people tried to say, well, Jesus was born on Christmas Day. Well, no. Sorry to disappoint you there. Uh, we are very, the Bible is, I believe, purposefully vague in the day that Jesus was born. It would have either been late September, early October, or late March, early April. We do not know. And someone says, well, then why celebrate Christmas at all? Well, it's very simple. I'm not holding hands with the ACLU over anything. How about you? Uh, and the atheists, they can go be atheists, and I'm going to stick my finger in their eye every chance I have. Not physically, okay? Uh, but uh, I just love passing out a track and go, Merry Christmas. And they go, Ugh. I, just, I just enjoy that. I hope you do. We have one box of tracks left, 2,500. We, we need to get them out. So if you have some extra time this week, call Andrew. He's preaching at Riverhead this morning. But he said, just have everybody call me. He said, we'll find somebody to go out with you. We'll get rid of those tracks. We're not going to get rid of them. I'm sorry. We're going to pass them out. All right. And uh, listen, we can enjoy this time of year. Can we say amen? You know, I've never met anybody that's against Christmas that was happy about it. Never have. Never won. And yet, what's the Bible say? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And I want to have that joy. But I want my joy to be a true and real joy. A true and real hope, as we talked about Thursday night. A good hope out of the book of Thessalonians. And my good hope is based on faith. Faith is not this blind thing that the world always accuses us of. You want blind faith. Let me tell you, find somebody who still believes in Karl Marx. They've got blind faith. I mean, it has failed everywhere. Socialism has always failed and will always fail. Because socialism depends on the goodness of man, and that is a very short commodity. But you know what faith depends on? The goodness of God. And that's never, ever going to run out, my friends. Faith is based upon the goodness and the grace of God. And here we have the angel Gabriel, the messenger of God, appearing to Mary. And you can imagine as this young woman was engaged to be married and all of a sudden a, a man appeared in her room with her and said, Hail! Thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. What a strange great greeting indeed. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. 
I mean, to whom are you talking here? Uh, I am not an important person. Uh, uh, and as we read through the Bible, we find out that even after Jesus was born in the temple, that when Mary and Joseph went to fulfill the Old Testament law and her consecration and the, the dedication of the child and all of these things, they offered the smallest offerings that were allowed, the least valuable of all the offerings. These, these were not people of means. They, they were poor in every sense of the word. And so Mary's trying to figure out what this is, and the angel explains to her every time I read this passage. I, I go back to a class in Bible college in my mind. I can see the room, and I can see the professor, and, and I can still hear his grating voice. And, uh, uh, and, and the class was called Christology, and it is the theology of Jesus Christ. And we spent weeks and weeks and hours and hours trying to explain what the angel did in just a few verses here. You see... I think a lot of theology is a waste of time because it's man trying to understand who God is when really what God wants us to do is be obedient to His Word. See, that's what faith is, isn't it? Faith is believing God's Word to the point of obedience. We don't have time this morning, but that's what James chapter 2 is all about. Don't tell me about your faith. Tell me how it works. How is your faith working for you? How is that actually happening? Now, let's look how it worked for Mary. Verse 30, And the angel said unto him, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom There shall be no end. Then Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, This is the greatest mystery of all the ages. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. You know what? You don't need to study the hypostatic union. That's the theological term for the spiritual, uh, actually hypo meaning water, human flesh, and static meaning spirit, the connection between Jesus as God and Jesus as spirit. Do you know that it took until the Council of Chalcedon in 505 or something like that, B.C., that quote-unquote the church finally settled the issue of the deity of Christ, that he is the very God of gods and the very man of man's. It's a at literal translation of the decision that they made. And I often, every time I repeat this, I want you to hear this, get it in your mind. 
if it took until 505 B.C. or whatever year that was that they decided and held this council, how in the world could that be Jesus' church? Couldn't be. Couldn't possibly be. Because in order to be part of Jesus' church, you've got to be saved first. And in order to be saved, you've got to know who Jesus is. You've got to believe that he is God, that he is man. And by the way, if you can explain it, then you claim to be as smart as God is. I'm not making that claim this morning. I don't understand it. I'm just glad that it's true. How about you? You see, that's faith. Now, what did that faith in Mary do? Let's read on to what what it says here. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. You know what Mary said? I am God's servant. I am placing myself in his hands and I want him to do with my life as he sees fit. I don't want to raise of hands or anything, but what I want to ask you is how many of you have prayed that same prayer? Dear God, I put my life in your hands. I want you to direct my life as you see fit. I want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I challenge you, if you have trusted Jesus as your Savior, that ought to be what is in your heart toward God. Is it not true? Amen? Mary didn't claim to understand. As I think back on the history of this church, I'm really glad. I didn't understand all that was going to happen as we moved our little family to New York City and only two children and uh, Andrew, who is now preaching uh, at Riverhead this morning and serves as my assistant. He wasn't even born yet as we held those first services in a rented office space up on 23rd Avenue at 31st Street trying to figure out what in the world God was going to do. I'll tell you what, I'm glad God did some things. How about you? I'm glad that we have a church here today. I'm glad that we can meet in Jesus' name. I'm glad to tell you that we're not on missionary support anymore, that we're actually supporting missionaries and and that God has blessed our church. I'm trying to get the application here in as we're going through here. Mary could not understand what was going to happen to her because it had never happened before and it was never going to happen again. How was a human being going to conceive a child that was going to be the creator God of the universe? How is that going to happen? I don't know. But I do know this, that before Abraham was... Jesus said, I am. Jesus did not begin in Bethlehem's manger. If you know your Bible, you know that. 
He is the eternal God. And yet, we took the power and the being and the presence of Almighty God and wrapped it in human flesh and implanted it in the womb of Mary. And Mary said, I believe you. Let God's will and word be worked in my life. That's faith. Amen? Isn't that faith? Now, let's take a moment and stop and think about the practical applications. Mary was engaged to Joseph. Mary was pure. The Bible word virgin, uh, the new, new versions, they love to take that word out. They want to argue about that word, but it, it's there. It's there in the underlying Greek text. It belongs in your Bible, and because it explains that Mary was a pure young woman, and she was serving God and honoring Him with her life, and God chose her. And the Bible says, under the law, Mary was engaged to Joseph. Now, let me ask you a question. How in the world could Mary explain what was happening to her, to Joseph? Could I challenge you? The history books tells us that it was more than one young Jewish lady who had been immoral, who had broken God's laws of purity, that tried to blame her sin on the fact that she was the one that was going to bring forth the Messiah and nobody believed them and nobody should have. So how was Mary going to explain this? Could I challenge you that Mary couldn't say a word to anybody except one? And we'll get to her in just a minute. There was, Mary couldn't explain this to Joseph. She couldn't explain it to her mother and father, uh, her cousins and, and family, the people that knew her in the city of Nazareth. Nobody would understand nor believe her. And why should they? The angel didn't appear to them. The angel only appeared to Mary. And Mary had to think about these things. The Bible says that she pondered these things in her heart. And I'm sure that she's sitting there going, what is going to happen to me? Wait a minute. Let me be the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Can we say amen to that? According to thy word. Words are important when we deal with the Bible. Words are the only things that God has given us. We do not need the angel Gabriel to appear and give us information because we have it all written down right here, my friend. And I've had a lot of people say, yeah, but the Bible doesn't answer every question. Have you tried? I've been at this a long time. I've not had one question this book didn't have the answer for. You see, faith cometh by, let's do it nice and loud. Faith cometh by, and hearing by. Mary didn't have a printed Bible. 
And so the angel had to come and give her the word of God. And Mary said, I believe it. She couldn't explain it. The only person she could find comfort with, and the angel directed her, he said, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth. Now Elizabeth was much older than Mary. Elizabeth was past the age of childbearing. She was uh, beyond all of those things, and yet in her old age, God had given her a child. We know him as John the Baptist. He hadn't been born yet. And he said, For with God nothing is impossible. You know what? That was good enough for Mary. Is it good enough for you? Is obeying God's word just because he said so good enough for you? Amen? That, that's the question we need to ask. That's Mary's faith. Everything. Now, people have tried to make a big deal that Mary could have been stoned and killed for all of these things. And if you go to Sight and Sound Theater, they, they put all of that in there. And that, that just didn't happen in, in this day. The moral level of the Jewish people had decayed a great deal. And, of course, the Romans were there. You didn't just drag somebody out in the street and, and throw stones at them and kill them without incurring the wrath of the Roman soldiers in the area. But Mary's reputation, everything about Mary's life from this point forward was going to be determined by these events that were transpiring that she had given complete control to God. She was sitting in the boat And it was moving down the river of life. And God was pulling the string and Mary was just trying to figure out what was happening. wonder if she had morning sickness. Well, that's all part of it. It's usually worse first time around. Mary had all of these problems and she went down to visit her sister... I mean, her cousin Elizabeth. And let's look at verse 56. And Mary abode with her, Elizabeth, about three months and returned to her own house. Now, have you ever thought about what Joseph thought about all these things? Here's Joseph, and all of a sudden Mary disappears for three months. She's gone. Well, where did she go? She went to visit her cousin. All the way down in Judah? Yeah. Uh, Judea, she went to visit her. She was with her. Elizabeth is having a child in her old age, and Mary was there until very close to the time of Elizabeth's delivery. Mary couldn't hide what was happening to her after three months. And she went back home. You know why she went back home? Because that's where Joseph was. And that's where she lived. And she had to trust God to take care of all the details. How much faith did Mary have to have? Uh, The Bible says the grain of a mustard seed. I know what you were thinking. And I was almost mouthing a lot. A lot of faith. No. 
The Bible says, just the grain of a mustard seed. So the next time you get your French's yellow mustard, squirt it out on your hot dog or whatever, see if you can find one grain of a mustard seed in there. It's not. It's a paste. No, it's ground up mustard seed. You don't need a lot of faith to be obedient to God, but you do have to do it. Mary had to go home. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 1. The faith of the Christmas story. Mary's faith. But you know something? We forget about Joseph's faith. I want to challenge you that Joseph, the physical husband of Mary, the uh, physical earthly father of the Lord Jesus Christ, though he wasn't his biological father, Jesus was conceived without the normal intervention uh, and the normal process of mankind that Joseph gets a really bad rap in this whole story. Uh, The Catholic traditions make Joseph um, one foot in the grave, the other on a banana peel, and just ready to die. And he he gives Mary a a, a ceremony or legal marriage so that she can uh, uh, have his name and his heritage. I want to challenge you, that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Mary and Joseph had at least five other children, brothers and sisters. We call them half-brothers and sisters. That Mary and Joseph had a normal marriage after the birth of Jesus. I want to challenge you that Joseph ought to be considered one of the great men of faith in your Bible. He had to believe things that were beyond human sense or understanding. And I want to I challenge you, if I can take an aside just here. Unfortunately, as a pastor dealing with many people over the years, I've had to deal with a lot of emotional and, and mental illness. And I will tell you, just not based on any textbooks or anything like this, that one of the main characteristics, it sticks out every time. If you are emotionally or mentally imbalanced, you cannot believe, you cannot accept as fact any other person's perception than your own. That is a sign that things aren't right inside your mind and in your heart. You see, faith is trusting God's perception of things that you cannot see or know. Human nature is diametrically opposed. Now, if Joey was here, he said, Daddy, what does diametrically mean? How many people got a pretty good idea what diametrically means? It means in every complete measure. 
It means any way you look at it, it's against faith, human nature. What we believe and what we perceive, I, I, I just, I don't enjoy it ever, but running into someone who says, I only believe in what I can see. Well, you don't believe in very much, do you? Said, well, what, what do you mean? Can you see electricity? Can you see the wind? Can you see the integrity of our politics? No, excuse me. Uh, that's something you'll never see is integrity in politicians. But I, I don't see the electricity. I see the result of the electricity exciting whatever mechanism is in these LEDs. Yeah, I know, it's light-emitting diode. I do got that. But uh, I, I'm, glad that, I'm glad the electricity works and the light's light, aren't you? And I'm glad that I don't have to rely on me for everything. How many of you have ever perceived someone trying to injure you only to understand that they were trying to help you? Anybody ever had that happen? I'll tell you, second grade was a very terrible year of my life. Third grade was even worse. But I I finally figured out that those mean, horrible people they call teachers were trying to fix a problem that I had. It was called ignorance. And, And it needed to be fixed. How many of you have had the same problem? How many of you are willing to trust God's perception rather than your own. Don't raise your hand. Don't want you lying in church. We haven't finished the sermon yet. There might be some things you don't want to do. But I want to challenge you that Joseph had to, by faith, believe God when nothing in this world, nothing he could sense or perceive... Nothing he could understand with his own mind made any sense except God said so and he said, I'll believe God. That's faith, my friend. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together exacting in the word of God And very carefully worded so that even a child can read this and understand what was going on. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. 
Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Wow. Faith. We have Mary coming back to Nazareth. I'll tell you, I hate gossip. How many people? What is the joke? I hate gossip. So you better listen close the first time because I'm not repeating it. Oh, the one that gets my blood up the most. I just want to know how to pray intelligently. Liar! You just want the dirt on everybody you can get it on. Because you like it. Let me tell you. You don't need to know. You just don't need to know. But could you imagine what Nazareth was like as Mary returned home? Oh, man. Every mouth in town was moving. Oh, man. Look, I thought she was a nice girl. And what's Joseph going to do? And you know, Joseph was hearing it all. His friends are coming over and saying, Man, Joseph, I'm not going to say anything. I just want to be with you. Those were his friends. The ones that weren't his friends was, Joseph, have you heard? Only about 4,000 times, and there's only 150 people living in town. Yeah, I heard. Leave me alone. And Joseph is trying to figure out what in the world he's going to do because he thought he was following God when he had gotten engaged to Mary. He believed this was the greatest blessing in his life that God had directed him here. This was the Jewish way of marriage. It was not. Just simply walking down the street and going, wow, I'm going to marry that. That's what Samson did. Not godly people. Joseph, in spite of the poverty and the oppression of Rome and all of the lost hopes and the fact that they hadn't heard a prophet speak in the name of the Lord in over 400 years, Joseph still held on to the fact that he was a descendant of David the king and wanted to serve God. And now everybody was gossiping. It says that Joseph, look what it says here. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been so troubled in your mind and in your soul that you just sat there in a chair and you're just trying to think about things and the next thing you know you've fallen asleep? That's where Joseph was. And while he was there, just in his mind, all of a sudden, the angel came and gave him a vision in his dream, gave him instruction said, Joseph, you don't need to be afraid to take Mary. She has not been unfaithful. She's not been with another. God has chosen her 
to bring into this world His Son. And you have the privilege of being the Father and giving your name and your heritage as a descendant of David the King to the Son of God. Now, how many of you have ever woken up for a dream thinking it really happened? Oh, isn't that confusing? When I used to work night shift when I was in Bible college, well, I'll tell you what, working all night and trying to sleep during the day, that'll, that'll do some things for you. And I remember one time I woke up and I'm going, it should be, it should be dark outside. And it was daylight. And I'd slept the whole way through. I, I, I tried to take my normal sleep and I'd slept the whole way through the night and halfway through the next day. Missed my classes and all kinds of things. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, wow, this is terrible. And somebody said, if you get one of those old uh, ringy bell alarm clocks, you ever, the wind-up kind, and then put it in a pot. It'll really make a racket. And so that's what I used to do uh, to get up. But here's Joseph, and he's so troubled that he can't sleep, that he can't think. He's trying to figure out in a dream. The angel of God comes to him and gives him direction. And here's what it says in verse 24. Look what it says. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, you almost wonder if the angel didn't give him a kick in the dream. Amen. And, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. Oh my, we got to move. But I want you to understand something here. Today, when a young lady gets married, in America, the wedding is all about the bride. Everything is about the bride. Uh, The groom is necessary because if there weren't a groom, then there couldn't be a bride. But that's really on wedding day. That's all the groom does is show up. And, and everything is supposed to be about the bride. I want to tell you something. In the Jewish culture, in Joseph's day, the wedding was completely different. The wedding was all about the groom. That's why Jesus uses the picture uh, of the bride and the church to help us understand the, a man's wedding was his entrance to society as a man. He could not serve and give an opinion in the town council until he was married. He, he was not considered a, a part of, of society at large. He was not considered even a mature man until he was married. And the marriage service was all about the groom. Read the story of the wedding feast at Cana. The groom was paying for the wedding feast. It went on for several days. It was to show that he could provide not only for his bride and the family that would come, but for her parents and that he would take responsibility as a man to 
take care of his larger family. Everything was about the groom. The, the way that a wedding normally happened, it would be noise through the community. And the bride would never really know when she was getting married. Weddings, the bride always shows up late, right? Uh, not always, but somebody would send a, he would send a runner and they would knock on the door and say, it's going to be tonight, get ready, get ready, disappear. And pretty soon, whenever the bridegroom felt that the time was appropriate and the anticipation had grown, a few of his friends would start out from the house and they would be making merry and singing songs and pretty soon half the town would be in the group and they would make a procession through the streets and come to the door and formally ask for the bride to be given and then they would march back to the home of the bridegroom where the feast had been prepared and they would enjoy uh, this time. The, uh, a little town like Nazareth, everybody in town would have been part of the wedding in one way or another. You know what Joseph had to do? He woke up in the middle of the night and snuck over to Mary's house so that no one would know what was going on and knocked on the door. It was probably as her dad answered and said, What is it? He said, I'm here for Mary. Oh, good. Keep it quiet. See you later. That was their wedding. Now the gossipers got into full gear. It was Joseph. Yeah. Yeah, it was Joseph. I knew it all along. Mary would never do that. It was Joseph, that dirty scoundrel. Well, at least he's taking credit for his dirty deeds. Wow. How many lives have been destroyed because of filthy gossip? Oh, and you had the pious gas bags. Oh, answer to my prayers. I was praying this thing would work out. Yeah. How many other people did you talk to and assassinate character with? This, this wasn't pleasant for Joseph in any stretch of the imagination. I hope you're getting this this morning. But Joseph had enough faith to do what? Obey the words of God. He just obeyed God's word. It'd be the Pharisees years later when Jesus was a grown man. They were getting out of his, getting out their calendars, looking through their notes, and they accused Jesus. They said, "We be not born of fornication. We went through the records. We found out your birth date didn't match the wedding date. This stuff was still going on." But you see, I believe Jesus was conceived by the Holy Ghost, placed in the womb of Mary by a single divine act of a holy God. Within the bounds of marriage, as the espousal period was considered as much a formal marriage, 
In order to break it, you had to go through formal divorce proceedings just as you did after the marriage was consummated. The faith of Joseph, he gave up everything he had, his reputation, all his life long. People would say, well, they got it all straightened out, started out a little rough. But Joseph said, I'm just going to be obedient to God no matter what. Let's turn back to Luke chapter 2. We won't be able to spend the time here that we have on the others. But there are two amazing people. They're listed here. Verse 24 Actually, verse 22, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Now we have Simeon. We get down here to verse 36, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. So her, she was 91 years removed from her wedding day. So if she was a young, young bride at 16, 91, Makes her, what, uh, 107, something like that. And uh, if she were 20 years old, uh, you figure out the math, 111. I mean, wow. You know what her faith was? Waiting in the temple for 84 years. 80. Four years in the temple, night and day, with fasting and prayer. Simeon, it had been revealed unto him, the Lord had sent message to him, the word of the Lord, as we know it in the scriptures, that he would not die before he had seen the Messiah, the Savior of Israel. So where was he? He was at the temple. Do you know how hard it is to wait? To just wait, to just stand in line, to just keep going through the process, to just keep being faithful when no one else cares and no one else is paying attention, to just keep doing the same old thing. I don't care what you're doing after 84 years, it would be the same old thing, wouldn't you agree? Unless it's serving God, Anna didn't think it was the same old thing. I'll tell you what, Simeon didn't think it was the same old thing. Because every day he got up and came into the temple, he said, maybe today. And then I'll be able to go home 
to heaven. Only to return again the next day and say, maybe today. Uh, Does that sound like something that the Christian ought to be doing today? Hello? Maybe today Jesus is coming back? Maybe, Maybe today we'll hear that trumpet sound and we'll be caught up together in the air forever to be with the Lord? Should that be the same old, same old? You know, we we need to learn something from the faith of these people. Mary had to put everything in the hands of the Lord. She couldn't explain. She couldn't tell anybody anything. She couldn't do anything but be obedient to God. But you know what? God gave her one person she could confide in and get some strength from her cousin Elizabeth. And then it was her husband Joseph. Amen? You know, you, you think, what, what would have been their conversations as they're waiting on Jesus to be born so really they could have their own marriage? It's called faith. Then I think of Anna and Simeon. Year after year, decade after decade, until they were just fixtures in the temple of Jerusalem. Now, there's that old coot. And where's the old lady at? She's got to be wandering around here somewhere. Every time I come, I've seen them since I was a little kid. And now my grandkids are coming with me, and they're still here. That's one thing I love about visiting my home church, Cleveland Baptist Church. When I walk in those doors, they're older, they're whiter. Some of them are working on canes and wheelchairs, but I'll tell you what, they're still there. They were there long before I was there. And so, hey, Pete, I haven't seen you in a long time. I said, it's good to see you. You know what it does to my heart? See someone just being faithful where God put them. Just waiting and waiting on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're supposed to be waiting on His return, are we not? Now, we have just a few minutes of our time left, and I just want to ask you a question. Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna, each one of these four people in their own way <clears throat> gave only one thing so that they could be faithful, be a faithful part of this story that we're relating. How many of you want to know what that one thing was? It was everything. Amen? It was their soul. It was their future. It was their hopes. It was their aspirations. It was their expectations. It was everything that they could possibly want or have. Everything about their life had to be surrendered completely to the words of the Lord. That's called faith. How's that working in your life? Have you truly 
honestly surrendered yourself to God. You see, the end of the story is I can preach about the lives of these people because they lived them. And Mary and Joseph, when they were young, and actually Simeon and Anna, when they were young as well, had surrendered their lives and they fulfilled the course of their life in being faithful to God and having the faith to believe the unbelievable in just taking God at His word Faith is believing God's Word to the point of obedience. And they did. It was Mary that said, I rejoice in God my Savior. Some people would try to make Mary a Savior. Mary wasn't a Savior. Mary needed to be saved, just like you and just like I. But aren't you glad the Christian experience doesn't end when you get saved? You see, this is the seed of all false religion. Is false religion puts the carrot on the stick and it puts it right out in front of the donkey. One more bite, one more step, one more bite. You ever seen, if you've ever been down to Amish country, every once in a while you'll see one. And they'll have a carrot or an apple tied to a stick. And they'll have it right out there in front of the mule. And man, that mule's just going right down the road, lickety split. Just, and every once in a while, if he's really smart, he'll bring it back and let him get just a taste. And then right back. And that mule will walk to the end of the earth. Can we have a better faith than that? Hello? Let me tell you, the devil's awful good at giving you just enough to keep you following. But real life faith you're going to have to give up something. In fact, you're going to have to give up everything. That was the rich young ruler's problem now, wasn't it? He was willing to give up most everything. But when he found out that it was really and truly everything, Jesus wasn't worth it. And he went his own way. Very sorrowful because he knew exactly what his eternity was going to be. It was going to be without Jesus Christ. But he was willing, because of his great possessions, because of his power, because of his place in society, because of the things he could see, and touch and perceive. He couldn't believe that Jesus was worth more than that. You see, we can see the end of their lives. But you and I that are in this auditorium this morning, we're faced with a decision because we can't see the end of our own lives. Are we going to keep chasing the apple or the carrot? Or are we going to allow faith in Jesus Christ to make us obedient to His Word? That's how you get saved, my friend. How you get saved is how you live for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why after you're saved, you ought to be baptized. 
in identification with the Lord Jesus Christ and his church. Amen. The Bible says, They that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them. What does added mean? Became a member of the church. And how does that work? Well, sometimes it just means showing up. Amen? I don't know about you, but it's different in this auditorium when we have more people singing. It just is. And we could use more people. Amen? Well, you know how that happens? When people I know see in me something better than what they have, they might just come to church. And when they see Jesus is worth giving up everything they have, they could be saved. Amen? You see, what Open Door Bible Baptist Church is about? It is about a bunch of unsaved, a bunch of saved people struggling together to be faithful till Jesus comes back. We want you to be a part of that struggle. We, we want to struggle along with you. We want to work together in that struggle so that Jesus can mold us and the Holy Spirit can make us and use us as a church. Because the answer to the problems out there in the world is right here within our church. You know what the world is looking for? Oh, we just want to be at peace with one another. Well, as I look out over our congregation, we have five of the six inhabited continents. Unless somebody grew up in Australia, we can get all six. But uh, I'm not seeing any hands go up. So, uh, I mean, we have the whole world right here in our auditorium, do we not? Not one fist fight's broken out the whole service. Isn't that wonderful? You know what? We don't worry about those things here. Because it's the Holy Spirit of God that puts us together. Amen? And we're trying. If you're looking for the perfect church, you're going to have to go somewhere else because we're not there. Never will be there. Not until we're assembled together in heaven. But I will tell you this. We're trying to serve God as His church. That's what he's given us. 26 years. And you still have to put up with my preaching. Amen. I hope it's amen and not oh me. But that's the trail that God has put us on. Are we going to walk together in faith? In the examples of Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna? Or are we going to miss the entire message of the Christmas season and be unsettled and unstable and try to live for God according to our own perception and our own understanding? That's the choice. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this day.